The world's population has grown to 8 billion people. As a society, how we keep up with the increasing need for electricity while addressing our climate goals is a growing challenge. Renewable energies like wind and solar are part of the solution, but we also need full-time sources of clean power when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. That's where existing and advanced nuclear energy comes in. Nuclear is clean air energy, and it's reliable and available 24-7. Plus, nuclear energy generates thousands of times more power using a fraction of the land that wind and solar would need. Energy Northwest is proud to provide clean, abundant, and reliable energy to help meet our growing needs. Learn more about nuclear energy and its full potential at energy-northwest.com. That's energy-northwest.com. Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with News Data's Clearing Up. My regular co-host and California Energy Markets editor, Jason Fordney, is not here today, so it's just me with some of the recent top stories from News Data's reporters. First, down in California, the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant needs to keep running longer than planned to meet California's growing electrification demands, according to an analysis by the California Energy Commission. The plant's two reactors' operating licenses expire in 2024 and 2025. The state simply does not have enough carbon zero resources, though, to reach its goals for electrifying buildings in transportation if the reactors go off offline when those licenses expire, according to the analysis. California needs to build an unprecedented amount of new generation to meet projected demand, and it's not clear it can develop and connect enough resources fast enough for Diablo Canyon to go dark in the next two years, according to the report. Diablo Canyon is also needed to handle increasingly frequent extreme weather events such as prolonged heat waves and wildfires. Taking the nuclear power plant offline could jeopardize the reliability of California's power grid, according to David Earn, Deputy Director of the California Energy Commission's Energy Assessments Division. The effort to keep the plant operating longer got another boost last week when Federal nuclear energy regulators approved the owner of Pacific Gas and Electric's request to keep it running while its relicensing application is being considered. And up in Oregon, attorneys representing victims of the Labor Day 2020 wildfires in that state say they have proof that Pacific Corps withheld and destroyed evidence showing that the company's caused or contributed to the devastating blazes that burned more than 1 million acres and killed at least 9 people. The plaintiffs are suing Pacific Corps in Multnomah County Circuit Court, and the case is scheduled for trial April 24th. In a February 28th filing, the, the plaintiffs' attorneys asked the court to sanction Pacific Corps for allegedly withholding key documents related to the cause and origins of the fires, as well as obstructing discovery ahead of, of trial. The documents include instant message conversations between Pacific Corps employees discussing how the fires started. The plaintiff's attorneys say the corporation took too long to turn over the messages and deleted others. In doing so, the plaintiffs couldn't fully gather evidence before the trial begins, according to the filing. The filing further alleges 
Pacific Corps disposed of electric poles and damaged equipment in the affected areas, despite ongoing fire investigations, and that it obstructed a key witness's testimony. Pacific Corps hasn't responded to the filing yet, though in the past it has denied that its equipment started the Labor Day weekend fires. Back down in California, the California Public Utilities Commission, its Public Advocates Office, and the California Wind Energy Association all say, all say they want more information about how expanding California, the California Independent System Operators' organized market outside the state could affect transmission costs, cost containment, and cost allocation, market design, reliability, and what California utility ratepayers are paying. The entity's recommendations for further studies were among the comments submitted on a draft regionalization study conducted by the National Renewable Energy Laboratory and directed by the California ISO. The draft study found that better regional coordination could enhance grid resilience, make it easier to recover from extreme weather events and other grid outages, and reduce curtailment of wind and solar generation due to transmission congestion. The study also concluded that California in the future will need more commercial procurements from the rest of the West, more ability to export solar energy in the middle of the day, and a better ability to share energy reserves, especially with the Southwest. During past regionalization pushes, elected officials in other Western states have balked at the idea of handing over energy decisions to California, and inside the state, the regionalization effort likely will be opposed by some California labor and environmental groups, California Energy Markets editor Jason Fordney writes in the most recent issue. And in our last story, participating members of the Utah-associated Municipal Power Systems have voted to continue developing what could be the nation's first commercial small modular nuclear reactor, despite rising costs. UAMPS revised its cost estimates for the 462-megawatt carbon-free power project in January, which gave participating members the opportunity to back out of the project. Cost estimates now show that power from the plant will cost $89 per megawatt hour, a 53% increase from a 2021 estimate of $58 per megawatt hour. Nonetheless, of the 27 participants in the projects, 26 voted to continue, with one reducing its subscription level and another substantially increasing its subscription in the project, according to UAMPS. The project developer, NewScale, and UAMPS attribute the rise of the price to increased inflationary pressure on construction costs such as for fabricated steel, which has increased by 54%, and carbon steel, the price of which has gone up by 106% since that 2021 estimate. In addition, interest rates used for cost modeling have increased approximately 200 basis points since July 2020, according to UAMPS. Also, new estimated construction costs of the six-reactor project have increased nearly 75%, since 2021, and they now stand at $9.3 billion, up from an estimated $5.3 billion. Nevertheless, 
Work is going ahead, and UAMPS and NewScale say they plan to submit the project's combined operating license application with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission in January 2024. That's all from me, Dan Catchpole. As always, please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and pass along to a friend. You can find more of our content online at newsdata.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.